Aqua Lads and Aqua Lasses. Welcome once again to the depths of the Aqua K for Brightman. My name is Johnny C, and let's uh, take a look, if you will, at whatever bright idea I've come up with this go-around. So, I've probably said this so many times you're tired of hearing about it, but it's consequential to this week's topic. The Survivor Series 1989 was the first ever pay-per-view broadcast of the World Wrestling Federation that I ever laid my little beady eyes upon. And one thing I regret about getting rid of my wrestling tape collection way back when, when I moved out on my own and finished college and figured, well, you know, I don't need this stuff anymore. What am I ever going to use it for? All these tapes and pay-per-views came equipped with the Countdown Show, the Free For All, uh, the Sunday Night Heat that was in front of it. I mean, I, I adjusted with the times and went all out and wished to God I still had that stuff. However, the Survivor Series 1989 being the first, and now you know that it had the Countdown, I was always a little confused because the Countdown Show was obviously taped well in advance of the broadcast, and Vince McMahon when he did the intro video to the Survivor Series, would quickly let me know that some things weren't exactly as advertised. And here's what I'm talking about. And it comes to the contest of the Dream Team versus the Enforcers. The countdown show let me know that it would be Team Captain's Big Boss Man, the African Dream Akeem. However, during the broadcast, it was Team Captain Big Boss Man, Bad News Brown. Because, you know, the Vince McMahon added in at the last second vocal inflection is always a little off from the Countdown Show version. And then the Heenan family substitutes Bobby the Brain Heenan for Tully Blanchard of the Brain Busters. Now, eventually in my wrestling career, I have gone back and seen the African Dream Akeem perform before the Survivor Series, and of course, I've seen him after, as he appears at WrestleMania Six, he appears in the Intercontinental Title Tournament, etc., etc. Now, I have also, in my career, gone back and watched matches featuring the Brain Busters. So I've seen Tully Blanchard in the WWF, and, and I've seen Tully Blanchard in the NWA and the Four Horsemen of Four as well. However, there is one more... Superstar substitution that uh, rubs me or rubs my mind the wrong way. The King's Court was Team Captain Macho King Randy Savage and the Widowmaker, but the Widowmaker was substituted by the Canadian Earthquake. And folks, I've got to be honest with you. Today's topic is the Widowmaker, the character, not so much a Barry Windham deep dive, because of course I've seen. Barry Windham wrestle in WCW, NWA, and, and all that shit before. I've seen him as a West Texas redneck. I've seen him as the ill-begotten challenger for the uh, world title at 1991's Great American Bash. I've seen him tag and be one half of the unified tag team champions of the world, going up against Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and Terry Gordy, or going up against Rick and Dragon, Steamboat, and Shane Douglas when he's tag team partners with uh, the natural, natural can be he, Dustin Rhodes. But i got to be honest with you folks. I have never, ever laid eyes upon the Widowmaker character. Oh, I forgot he was a stalker, too. I saw plenty of stalker and, uh, and Blackjack Windham as well. So I've seen all that shit, but I've never seen the Widowmaker. Now, I obviously am a WWF mark growing up, and I, I appreciate what Barry Windham's capable of. 
But I'm really curious to see what Barry Windham could have been as a character, okay? Because, and I understand that in the 80s and early 90s, and like WCW had characters, okay? They had like your Johnny B. Bads. And obviously Ric Flair is a character. But, how do I say this? Barry Windham, to me anyway, is just always kind of like, it's Barry Windham. You know, he's either heel Barry Windham, face Barry Windham. There's... There's history there, but there's not a lot of like, I don't, you know, when I, if Barry Windham is cutting a promo as a heel, as a horseman, I, I pretty much expect him to be like, I'm Barry Windham, we're, we're bad, and, and, and we're the horsemen, we're going to win. And if he's good guy Barry Windham, I, you know, he's probably got like a cowboy head, he's like, yeehaw, Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes going all the way to Unified Tag Team Title Tournament. Thanks a lot, Cowboy Bill Watts. No problem, Barry, let's hook him up! But, you know, I just, I don't know what to expect of him as a character. So, very interested in the Widowmaker. And since he never appears on a pay-per-view, that, to me, explains my blind spot. Because I never watched Superstars or Challenge before the Survivor Series 89. And, of course, the Widowmaker only lasted from June of 89 to October of 89. And his being replaced wasn't announced until the opening video of Survivor Series 89. So, I prepared a Widowmaker playlist. All right, we're going to break this thing down into chapters. And the first chapter is going to be a match from June and a match from July. All right, like I said, this guy doesn't have a lot. And they're both job matches. But job matches give us an understanding of what the character is going to be. For example, and I don't know why Flash Funk is popping into my head, but we'll probably start talking about early 90s WCW. You know, if Flash Funk is coming out for a job match in 1996 on Superstars and the USA Network, we could probably get a feel for what the Flash Funk character is. He's going to dance down to the ring with the Funkettes, uh, win a match in two minutes, and, and on commentary, I'll be like, oh yeah, Flash Funk, the youngster, he's energetic, he likes to dance. Like, they'll give us at least information on the character. The second chapter is going to cover August where, again, he's participating in a job match, but he's, again, having a real match with a legit WWF superstar that we'll get into. So an actual real match. And then the final chapter will cover not only uh, one of his last matches from October, but his very last match ever taped for the World Wrestling Federation. And I should mention that in you know the first chapter, his first match we're going to cover is indeed his first taping, his first appearance, his first everything for the World Wrestling Federation. So if you don't want to cry yourself to sleep at night because you're all alone, come join me on this bright journey to uncover the Widowmaker. Chapter 1. The Texas Rattlesnake? Question mark? Our first contest is taped on June 6, 1989, and it is the Widowmaker's very first appearance in the WWF. Now, keep in mind, I, I'm it's the Widowmaker's. I know Barry Windham, you know, it's not his first time in the WWF, but that's actually going to be a part of this. And he's taking on Frankie DeFalco. Frankie DeFalco is in the ring, and he's got his own FD-stamped varsity jacket. So good for you, Frankie! All right. Ah, it's superstars because Vince and Jesse are on the call. And here comes the man himself. He's from Sweetwater, Texas, 275 pounds, called Widowmaker Barry Windham. Interesting. And here comes the big introduction. First time ever on commentary. He's going to be talked about. And the man who owns the company, the man who creates the characters, is going to give us the lowdown. Here we are. The Widowmaker. Barry Windham, big Texan, sort of an ornery sort, plays by himself a lot. Thank you, 
Vince, for those low-volume and uninterested comments. What the fuck? Widowmaker is wearing a black vest with black trunks, black boots, and a sweet Johnny Lawrence black headband. Hmm. Now, we have some pre-recorded comments from the maker. Let's learn about him before the match can start. Wyndham appears in the split screen. The Widowmaker's in town, and he smells gold. And there's a whole lot of it in the WWF. And I want it all. That includes you, Hulk Hogan. All right. Well, it's a little cheesy. Uh, you know, but, and that's fine. Let's review what we have so far in this presentation. He's dressed in all black. He's from Texas. He has a minimalistic presentation. And he's immediately called out the top babyface in the company. Doesn't play well with others. Uh, folks... This man seems very stone cold to me, if you ask my opinion. Now, the match proper starts, and on commentary, Vince says that uh, Wyndham is setting his sights a little high, Jesse. Jesse retorts, high? Well, what would you set him for, McMahon, with your great athletic endeavors? I mean, when and if you ever did anything athletic, what kind of goals would you have? Would you set him low? Well, no, but you want realistic goals. Uh, these may be realistic, but I don't know a lot about the Widowmaker. So this tells us that even though he's the Widowmaker, Barry Windham, apparently he is not a former WWF Tag Team Champion? Question mark. And, and I'm asking it to be serious, because Vince doesn't know a lot about the Widowmaker. Well, well, I mean, it's not the same person, and that's what they're trying to put over on television. That's the character. DeFalco gets an arm drag. The Widowmaker stands right up and cold cocks the man with a brutal right hand. Well, this guy positively physically is in Hogan's category. The Widowmaker then hits a beautiful suplex. You know, I'm not only seeing a big, raw-boned Texan. I'm seeing a big Texan that can wrestle. Well, I'm seeing that as well, Jesse. But you think he's wrong to set his sights so high? Well, it's, it's just a little ambitious, is all. The Widowmaker then deadlifts DeFalco onto the middle turnbuckle. He probably should have asked Tom for a little help because it looks a little sloppy and Mr. DeFalco isn't exactly in the cruiserweight division, but whatever. DeFalco sits on the turnbuckle and a big right hand delivered yet again. Well, that's an ambitious right hand there, McMahon. Middle rope superplex, one, two, three. Jesse calls it a tremendous victory. And that, folks, is the full-on debut of the Widowmaker because we move right along to the next segment, whatever it was on Superstars. So that's it. That's what they've decided to give us. We have a little bit of context here that the uh, Widowmaker Barry Windham is not Barry Windham, former tag team champion of the U.S. Express, I guess. But let's move forward one month and see what has changed, because we're going to learn a bit here. It's July 19th, 1989. As I mentioned, it's one month later. And we've got Tony and Lord Alfred back on the call uh, from our Power and Glory episode. Oh, yay. They, they give me the feels. I, that makes me feel like this might be primetime wrestling. Now, Terry Daniels is a tiny guy. Uh, I just wanted to mention that because it's important. Widowmaker comes out now, and he has added a black leather coat with some tassels to his wardrobe. He's announced by Mike McGurk as only the Widowmaker. So no Barry Windham, and I made sure Shivani and Al do not call him Barry Windham at all. So it looks like we've gotten rid of the name so far. Lord Al on the call. Uh, Daniel's a fine young wrestler uh, with a great record, Tony. <laughs> what? The job guy has a great record? Well, all right, fair enough. I don't know anything about Terry Daniels. I guess Al could be correct. 
Al then pontificates further. Ah, uh, the Widowmaker, a big, big man. Very surly. Um, gritty. Um, doesn't have a sense of humor at all. His only objective is to absolutely punish his man and then beat him. <laughs> My God, Al. So, first thing first, the comedic thing out of the way. I love that he calls his opponent his man. It just cracks me the fuck up. But now, now I might add, we, we know some more things about the Widowmaker. And all of them, absolutely all of these ways you could describe the Widowmaker sound like things that Vince would say in a one-on-one meeting with you as he's describing to you your character. And they're all generic Texas wrestler things. Ah, uh, Barry, you're going to be ornery. You're going to be surly. And you're big. That makes you gritty. Huh, <sighs> okay. So the Widowmaker pushes uh, Terry Daniels across the ring. Like, across the entire fucking ring. Because Daniels is a little guy. But then, in some cool character stuff, the Widowmaker walks right over and offers a hand. Like, alright, come on, get up, you big little son of a bitch, you little bastard. It's 100% pure asshole. And I love it. And as he extends his hand, I'm also noticing we now have black wrist tape around the wrist. Uh, Wyndham then arm drags him. And again, it looks like a million bucks. And I get it. It's just an arm drag, and that's exactly what job guys are supposed to do to make your moves look good. But nonetheless, Widowmaker still looks like a badass. And again, he offers to help him up. Oh, come on, you little piece of turd. Do uh, you want to get up? Daniels refuses the hand. So Widowmaker kind of gets a smile on his face and pushes Terry Daniels back into the turnbuckle like a big bully or a big jerk. And he's pushing him and pushing him hard twice into the turnbuckle like, What do you got, you piece of trash? It's it's kind of like he only offered him this hand so he could fuck around with him a little bit. Now he's like, what's up? You didn't want my hand? You didn't want any help? Piece of trash? You think you're better than me? He then makes Terry eat two vicious right fists. Terry fires back with fists of his own. Then he body slams the Widowmaker and hits an arm drag. And the Widowmaker backs it to the corner like, all right, time out, time out. Terry Daniels... Literally does the rocks just bring it hand movement. This makes the Widowmaker laugh. And now he gets Terry back into the corner and beats on him again like he's a sack of garbage. He yells, how's that feel, big boy? He goes for an elbow, but he misses, and we reset as both men face off. We do a lockup. Daniels gets him into the corner for mounted punches. The referee gets in between him to try to break it up. The Widowmaker puts his hands in the air like, I'm not doing nothing, ref. And he uses this distraction to counter into a sick inverted atomic drop. <laughs> Lord Al on the call, oh, that is the worst type. That is the reverse atomic drop. And I know from personal experience, that can shake your spine right up to the top of your head. <laughs> and down to your toes and your feet and everything tingles. Well, Al, not to mention the dick pain, but I guess that's included in everything tingles. Sick, brutal, delayed belly-to-back suplex by the Widowmaker, and then an Irish whip into a power slam. Daniels tries to fight back, but the Widowmaker hits a big right hand and then robs the face of Terry Daniels across the top rope to be a dick. Then he trash talks to the crowd. Terry Daniels fights back with a fist and a drop kick. The Widowmaker backs into a corner. Lord Al lets us know, The Widowmaker now backing off, trying to think, What did I do that is wrong here? He then calls Terry Daniels plucky. 
Widowmaker back in control immediately, though, with a right hand that sends Daniels jumping over the top rope. The referee tells the Widowmaker to back off so he can do a 10 count. The Widowmaker throws his hands up in the air like, Don't worry, ref, I'm not going to do a thing. You go ahead and count. Then he goes to the opposite side of the ring, goes outside, throws in Daniels, puts him on the top rope, hits the superplex, but this time he floats over directly into the pin. One, two, three. Tony Schiavone with our final words. Widowmaker, an awesome win for an awesome man. So you might think to yourself, why give Terry Daniels so much shine in this match? Well, I like it because the shine moments are precisely what allowed us to see the Widowmaker perform as his character. You know, he tries to help him up just to be a dick. He gets mad when he won't let him up. Again, just being a dick. He gets angry after taking some light offense and then unleashes more powerful moves in response to getting hit on. Or getting hit, getting hit. Yeah, you know, it's like Terry Daniels is hitting on him like, Widowmaker, what's up? You want to dance? Widowmaker then talks trash to the crowd and the ref. Okay. He acts like he's going to follow the rules and then blatantly does the opposite. You could say that's regular heel stuff, but folks, as the title says, I'm getting some serious prototype Stone Cold Steve Austin vibes. Now, clearly it's not a one-for-one comparison, but I'm really digging the Widowmaker so far, and despite the lackluster words in his first interview, like he didn't really sound, like, cool, I feel like I am getting an understanding of the character. And we're now going to see that Barry Windham uh, has been dropped from his name, and will that continue? Will he just be the Widowmaker? And Widowmaker isn't a bad name to have. I mean, it does imply that you're killing your opponent, leaving their spouse alone forever to cry and weep until their death, I guess. And that seems like something a stone-cold individual would do. And let's not forget, in his first words, he called out the top babyface in the company by name. And his next match isn't exactly against a top guy, but it is at least a named WWF superstar. Well, kind of. Chapter 2. A Stunning Encounter. It's August 8th, 1989. It's primetime wrestling. Tony and Lord Al are back on the call. They're slowly becoming an Aqua Cave fave. The Widowmaker is out first. Wyndham is still gone from his name, and folks, I'm not going to track it anymore because I promise it's done. No more Barry Wyndham. His opponent here in the Oakland Coliseum is... The Red Roosters. I told you it was kind of a superstar. So uh, Lord Al lets us know what to expect. A very, very even match this. Both men have tremendous talent. Both have a lot of stamina. And both are so well scored in their chosen careers. They're good wrestlers with good, good moves. So just to recap, in their chosen careers, they're awesome. Which means the Widowmaker is fantastic at killing folks. And the Red Rooster is indeed a fantastic Red Rooster. But the match is underway. The Widowmaker arm drag tosses Rooster into the corner. He sprints in just to taunt the Rooster and yells, Come big boy! I love it! What a badass! Uh, Then they're back into the corner and the Widowmaker pushes the Red Rooster. Well, the Red Rooster pushes back and the Widowmaker takes a huge back bump. I mean, come on. This is verbatim Stone Cold Steve Austin heel presentation, right? If you swap out the Red Rooster in this encounter for the Wild Man Mark Marrow, 
We're just in 1996, right? With Austin being a, a, an asshole and taunting and then taking one move and being like, Oh, what the hell, ref? What's he doing pushing me? You know, like, oh! It's, it's awesome. Tony puts over that the Widowmaker is a loner with no allies here in the WWF. Big Al, or Lord Alfred, says, No, he would rather go it by himself. And he's a very, very silent loner as well. He hardly speaks very much to anybody. But I must say his ability in the ring is almost without parallel. They then trade reverse knife-edge chops in the corner. Tony calls them backhand slices. Which, okay. I actually kind of love that, so I'm going to allow it. The Widowmaker eats a drop kick, but he delays taking the back bump. He thinks about rolling outside the ring to recover, but he gets on his knees and begs like he's Ric Flair. He gets up into the corner, and Lord Alfred goes crazy. Great determination on the part of the rooster there. He didn't back off for one moment from the Widowmaker. And the Widowmaker has a tremendous reputation at fury and power and ability to take punishment. But it certainly didn't stop the Red Rooster. He was at him like uh, a rooster would. Like a rooster would. Just not going to let him out of the barnyard. <laughs> oh, I don't want to laugh into the microphone. Anyway, the Widowmaker hits his, you know what I'm just going to call patented, delayed, belly-to-back suplex, and it looks so good, as it always does. He misses a running knee, though, and we get a great oversell of leg pain. The Red Rooster targets the legs and the knee. Austin, I'm sorry, the Widowmaker begs off. I'm I'm sorry, folks. It's just hard, though. You see, you've got this heel begging off from the legs, like, oh, don't hurt my legs, and he's all in black. And he's a loner from Texas. All he's missing is the goddamn knees braces. I mean, the mind just wanders to a stone cold. The Red Rooster holds the legs and looks to the crowd for approval. You know, if referee Mark Curtis was in charge, he'd be counting a pinfall. If you don't understand the reference, see the Starman Negative 2 Part 7 episode here on the Aqua Cave for an explanation. The Widowmaker bails outside and takes himself a timeout. Back inside, the Widowmaker counters some corner punches into, well, the tingly inverted atomic drop. But the Red Rooster denies the move and hits a big clothesline. Goes for the cover, but no, the Widowmaker's foot is on the ropes. Great heel move there, just using the ropes, not even bothering to kick out. The Widowmaker slides outside and just trips the Red Rooster, pulls him outside and slams him into the guardrail. This man is stone cold, Lord Alfred. What's he thinking? The Red Rooster is in pain. The Red Rooster tries to roll back into the ring, but the Widowmaker rolls out just to punch him. Widowmaker back in to break up the count, and he starts talking trash to the referee and just smiles and talks some trash to the crowd. If he went into the corner, lifted his arm and posed, I would lose my shit. Back inside now, the window with the window. I'm so sorry, Barry. I apologize because I'm clearly a fan of yours. The Widowmaker hits a running inverted atomic drop. Then, right hands of fire and fury. The Widowmaker is in control and hits the power slam. The same one we saw earlier in the job matches. Uh, he then jaw jacks to the Red Rooster and then again to the fans. Lord Al says he's wasting time with. A bragging type thing. He, he's just bragging, Tony. 
The Widowmaker is in full control and stomping away. He hits a big delayed vertical suplex but gets only two. The Red Rooster throws desperate hands and then a clothesline. The Widowmaker begs off. Red Rooster, a little bit in control now, hits an arm breaker. Kind of. Shivani calls it prelude to the chicken wing. <laughs> and I would admit, how did I lo- how did I live on this planet this long without knowing that the Red Rooster's finish was the crossface chicken wing? Again, I guess my sort of wrestling career lives pay-per-view to pay-per-view, and I don't think he ever did it on a pay-per-view. So I've learned something, as if I haven't already learned something. But the Red Rooster grabs the Widowmaker, but nope. The Widowmaker falls backwards, grabs the Rooster's trunks, and throws him outside of the ring for a vicious stone-cold counter. The Widowmaker follows him outside and tosses the Red Rooster into the post and rolls back into the ring. But no, it was a cunning ruse, you see, because the Red Rooster blocked this ramming of the head into the post, but he did it in a ridiculous, comical way. The Red Rooster shakes his head, Nope, I'm okay. The rooster sort of clucks, stands on the apron. The Widowmaker sees his foe is indeed at full strength and standing. The Widowmaker approaches, grabs the Red Rooster by the head in sort of a snap mare position. The Widowmaker falls to his ass and by virtue of holding him in a snap mare position, hits a stone cold stunner stun gun. Because the rooster is throttled across the top rope. That is 1,000% what happens without any exaggeration from me. I realize I've been sort of inventing a narrative, but folks, the Widowmaker did this move, and it's over. Because the Widowmaker wins by 10 count. He gets a count out. Now, you could say, Jesus, they couldn't put him o- even, even put him over the rooster. I disagree. He covered him with a 10 count, not a 3 count, which makes him better than he would have been by winning with a three count. Uh, however, eh, I don't like this. The Red Rooster is a poor loser, gets back in the ring, and attacks the Widowmaker. The Widowmaker eats a backdrop, but the Widowmaker says, "Ah, oh, fuck this, and he leaves. The camera follows the Widowmaker as he walks to the back. In the aisle, the Widowmaker throws both arms into the air and legitimately is just doing the Stone Cold Steve Austin arms in the air pose. What does the Red Rooster have to follow up to this dynamite presentation? Well, he clucks around the ring like an asshat, even though he lost. He's truly the cock of the walk. So fans, what do you have to say now? I mean, I did not anticipate this when I started talking about the Austin stuff, and I thought I might be reading a bit too much into it. But come on, man. He hits the stunner. He does the pose. He's from Texas. He's jaw-jacking, and he's wearing the black tights. I'll take a breath, though, as I realize these things are just happy accidents. I'm not saying that they, when Austin started to catch on, they're like, Oh, Steve, just do what the Widowmaker did. The Widowmaker was awesome. Everybody remembers the Widowmaker. That's not what happened here, okay? But... It just makes me realize that the Widowmaker is ripe with potential. Ah, And, you know, Wyndham is not as charismatic as Austin, but it's not as if he's in there like some sort of dead fish, just not showing anything. There are flashes of personality. It's just all in the ring. I think I'm becoming a Widowmaker fan, by the way. 
Uh, the very next day, however, it's August 9th, 1989 for the taping. I don't know when it aired, but he's uh, going one-on-one with Dennis Bertrock on the Wrestling Challenge, and we get a rare Tony and Gorilla on the call. Uh, the Widowmaker, of course, enters with no music, but his full presentation is on display. Gorilla says, Just a matter of time until there's some gold around the waist of this youngster. <laughs> Which I will allow him saying youngster because he hyped that he's going to have gold soon. Still uh, just the Widowmaker, no Wyndham, that's dead. We get some pre-recorded comments. Folks, this is important. Pay attention. The Widowmaker is unerring in his ways, and every opponent that I face gets to lose a fall because I'm the man that says exactly what he's going to do, and I always get exactly what I want. Oh, Barry. (sighs) And that's where it kind of falls apart. But in ring, which is weird for me, because I'm totally a microphone promo type of guy, but in the ring, the Widowmaker is a fully formed, well, getting there, character. He, We'll get there. Just give me a second. Uh, Gorilla follows up with, kind of sounds like the Million Dollar Man, doesn't he? And, you know, because the Widowmaker, all he really said was generically, I get what I want, so I don't blame Gorilla here. Uh, Widowmaker hits a gut wrench side suplex. Gorilla puts him over big time. Superplex into the float over. Holy Moses! I'm glad I'm retired. I love it. What more could Gorilla say? One, two, three. Shivani with the final words. The Widowmaker is awesome! New wrinkle to the gimmick here as the superplex is so powerful that as the Widowmaker leaves the ring, WWF officials have to help his opponent get to his feet. So what have we learned from August 1989? The Widowmaker has all the vibes of a heel that could eventually be such a badass that they get themselves over as a face. But this is 1989, and I don't trust Vince to do that. The Widowmaker is weak on his promos, and that last one, I I would say it's bad. It just, I don't know. It was kind of just nothing. Uh, The Widowmaker that talks in the ring doesn't feel like the Widowmaker that talks in these promos. It doesn't feel like they're the same person. And that's the problem. But it's the only problem. However, this is the WWF. So that makes it a big problem. Chapter 3. Pink Tots, Brett. It's October 2nd, 1989. Versus Jim McPherson on Superstars. Now here we go, fans. It's a job match again. But finally... Finally, the Widowmaker has been integrated into a part of a narrative. Vince and Jesse on the call. Jesse says the Widowmaker doesn't talk much. He does his talking in the ring. Widowmaker has a great shit-eating grin on his face as we get started. Let's go to some pre-recorded comments, Jesse. The Widowmaker, along with the world's strongest man, Dino Bravo, the Hammer Valentine, and the Macho King, Randy Savage, will dominate in the Survivor Series. Because the King's Court is going to take it all the way to the top. Okay, still generic, but at least it has focus. But I don't feel the guy that I see wrestle in those words. But it's nice to hear him part of the big story. Well, I gotta make the King's Court a pretty strong favorite against the 4x4s, McMahon. Really? Oh yeah, look at the matchups. Alright, here we go, guys. You know, Bret Hart is a tremendous technician in the ring. But if you put him opposite the Widowmaker, I mean, Widowmaker's just as good a technician 
only he's 40 to 50 pounds heavier and half a foot taller. Uh, Jesse and Vince then go back and forth. Uh, they compare Hercules matching up with Dino Bravo, Garvin and the Hammer, Savage and Hacksaw. Because, you know, ultimately this job match exists to promote the 4x4s versus the King's Corp. Widowmaker wins with the superplex float over as we expected. And there it is, folks. Here's the big revelation. Here's why I chose this match. All right? His first feud, in finger quotes. His dance partner, his nemesis, Brett the Hitman Hart. Mm. If only, huh? <laughs> Not to mention how this lines up with the Stone Cold narrative that we've constructed here on Bright Man. Let's go to October 7th, 1989, for the last taping that the Widowmaker attended for his last appearance until he's the stalker in the WWF. He's going up against Tim Horner, and we're back on primetime wrestling with Tony and Al. Uh, the Widowmaker punches Tim Horner before the bell even rings. What a stone-cold individual this Widowmaker is. He hits the huge arm drag, which is a standby of the Widowmaker. And holy shit, frightening moment here as he goes to the side suplex, uh, but he just tosses Horner backwards face first, and it looks like it really hurt. Some stiff rights then. <laughs> Lord Al on the call. His man is completely stunned. <laughs> Two things here. He called him his man again. And he said stunned, which of course just makes me think of Stone Cold. Horner fights back though. But the Widowmaker is all like, oh, kiss my ass, you piece of trash. And hits a massive tilt-a-whirl backbreaker. Shades of Demolition Crush from WWF Superstars. The Widowmaker then laughs at this man. He yells, get up. The Widowmaker hits his patented delayed side suplex. The Widowmaker then gets up looks into the camera, and speaks. He says, this guy. And he points at his fallen foe and sort of chuckles. And then he says, hey, mom, love ya. Amazing! What a dick! Patented rake to the face, using his opponent's face to drag against the top rope. Patented Irish whip to the power slam. Horner tries to fight back and gets him into the corner for mounted punches. Widowmaker counters with his patented into the tingles inverted atomic drop but horner counters with a clothesline widowmaker with his patent did pretend to beg off more mounted corner punches a rattlesnake like eye rake by the widowmaker and another patented inverted atomic drop counter that you feel the tinglies everywhere and then of course he finishes with his patented superplex float over one two three and folks I know I was a little over the top with patented there, but I did it for a purpose. The Widowmaker has established his moveset in in-ring presentation. When he steps into the ring, we know his big spots, and we know how he's going to car- carry himself. And I dare say, we have a full character here, and I, for one, can't wait for the Survivor Series. Oh, shit. His daddy just had to go and counterfeit some money, though, didn't he? And when the Widowmaker would finally return to the World Wrestling Federation, well, he'd be wrestling in Madison Square Garden in a WWF logo shirt as the stalker. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Extra insult to injury on that very same show, Stone Cold Steve Austin would go one-on-one with the Widowmaker's old nemesis, Brett the Hitman Hart, 
And we all know the rest of the tale. Folks, at the end of the day, I'm super glad that I did this. I have mad respect for the Widowmaker. I really do. And it's sort of, it, like I said, it, it closes the circle on the Survivor Series 1989 for me as well. At the end of the day, I just wish we could have had more. I guess I'm greedy, just like the Widowmaker's dad. And that's going to wrap up this edition of Bright Man. Thanks again for coming along for the listen. Please subscribe to the Aqua Cave. That way you get notified whenever new content drops. I'm Johnny C. And a Widowmaker is you. <laughs>